0: Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
0: You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com.
2: And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, just as a reminder how much 2020 sucks, Eddie Van Halen died of throat cancer on Tuesday at the age of 65. And we won't get into a debate about Van Halen or Van Hagar. That isn't a proper thing for a Broncos podcast. But I I just, growing up in the 80s, as we did in Greeley, and you you went to Warren West for a, a skating party on Friday for elementary school, I still to this day will always remember Jump. And that was my first introduction to Van Halen. Um, I, I think when you have someone as evolutionary and revolutionary as Eddie Van Halen, when you can hear them play an instrument and know specifically who they are and who it is, I think that says everything about it. And I not to be a downer to begin this podcast, but it just—I it, it, wanted to, to pay homage to someone who was a, a musical genius and uh, created songs that will live forever in my mind, and were a part of of my growing up and becoming who I am.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know what? I, I'm going to echo that a little bit here. Um, you know, for me, the the song that always stands out for me is Panama. I love Panama. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, And, you know, it it is, it is sad when somebody of that type of talent disappears, uh, you know, sort of, you know, they're they're gone too soon. 65 is very young uh, and cancer sucks. I mean, that's just, that's just the truth. And we all know that cancer sucks and uh, it takes people away from you way too soon. And, it's too bad that that that's what happened. And and again, 2020 has been what 2020 has been. And so uh, we sort of continue down that, that sad march of time there. And, you know, another one that I always, that always sort of stands out to me is right now, which is a great song. That was, that was our walkout song in high school. When we graduated from high school, we walked out of the graduation to that. It was really, really a, a cool song as well. And, uh, such a, a cultural icon and, and you, you talk about talent uh, and you're absolutely right. And when it comes to the guitar, I think Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen really um, you, you put him up there on the same sort of threshold as, as guys like Jimi Hendrix, uh, Les Paul, uh, an original, right? Uh, th- those Jimmy kinds Page. Of, J- Jimmy Page. Absolutely. Those, those, those Eric type Clapton. of players. Absolutely. Who, who, who really took, took the, the instrument and, Sure, you could say revolutionized it, and I think that there's a little bit of that. But more so, it, it became a part of them. It became a became a part of who they were, a part of their identity. But it was really just an extension of themselves. And uh, in in any field, in any walk of life, when somebody can take what they do and the tools that they use to do it, and make it so synonymous with them and a part of them and who they are, that is really a, a an amazing thing to see. And we see it in sports. We see it in uh, we see it in art. We see it in the in the business world. We see it everywhere. The greatest at their position, the greatest at their job, the greatest at what they do are always uh, those that have taken what they do and made it an extension of themselves. And, and Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen did that. And and so, uh, yeah, it's a it's a sad day when you lose that that kind of talent uh, to to something as as awful as cancer and throat cancer is not is not something that, that you want to get and you feel really bad for him. So obviously our condolences, and I'm sure uh, that our listeners would agree with that.
2: And just to give you an idea of the kind of influence that Eddie Van Halen has, you and I have talked about this. He completely changed a Michael Jackson song because of his guitar solo. Beat it. He made that song what it was his guitar solo completely made that song yeah. and to be able to cross over and have an influence on perhaps one of the greatest albums ever created in thriller and to basically make a Michael Jackson song is phenomenal. Cause he was a rock artist. Michael Jackson was a pop artist. That's incredible. Yep. Those
1: crossovers are always amazing, but they only work when the people who are crossing over really know what they're doing and can really make what they're doing fit within the confines of what that is. And, and so you're absolutely right. It is an amazing an amazing crossover collaboration, and, and it does. It makes that song. You take that guitar riff out of that particular song, and you have it be, I don't even know what you would replace it with. That's, that's the other thing is it's it's completely irreplaceable at that point. You, you don't have a song. You, you, Michael Jackson do, doesn't have that song. That song's not on the album. It's not good enough. Eddie Van Halen playing the guitar, playing that riff. The, I mean, you just know it. You, I guarantee that most of the people who are listening to this are hearing that song in their head right now. And it's not because of Michael Jackson. It's because of Eddie Van Halen. That's an excellent point.
2: And I have, to, I, I have to mention one more guitar player that we recently lost who may not get the credit that he deserves for how incredible he was, Prince.
1: Oh, absolutely. W-
2: I mean, one that, of the greatest. That, that solo that he did for My, My Guitar Gently Weeps that he performed at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if you haven't Google it, YouTube it, watch it. It is, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about how incredible incredible that was. Anyway, this is turning into a music podcast,
1: which, which I don't even know that we're qualified for, but we'll, you know, we could do it, but I think let's, let's, let's go back to talking about the Broncos, which again, I don't even know that we're qualified for.
2: <laughs> we should talk about the a game, lot of, right? a lot of people would definitely agree with that. Yeah.
1: And that's okay. I, I mean, I don't mind if people agree with us being unqualified. It's fun. And that's why we're here. All right. So let's have some fun talking about uh, the Denver Broncos and their upcoming matchup against the New England Patriots, although I'm not sure how much fun this is going to be.
2: I will say, and I've said this to lead off my PlayColorado.com preview story, it is going to be really weird to not see a number 12 behind center for the New England Patriots. And because it is 2020, the Broncos have actually already played Tom Brady, and it wasn't with the New England Patriots.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's sort of a strange, and I, I I will honestly tell you, I've already adjusted to it. I, I I have, for whatever reason, it it took me one day, It took me one game to watch, and it was the game against the Broncos with Tampa Bay, and I was I was I was like, all right, I get it, it makes sense. I think Cam Newton looks every much the part he needs to look as a New England Patriot, like he fits in with them just fine. It it didn't throw me off all that much, and I'm sort of already past it, which I know sounds weird. I think most people are still looking at it sort of sideways like, what is this?
2: And that's the big question going into this game is whether or not he's going to be able to play. Because Mike Florio, it wasn't Mike Florio, but it was Pro Football Talk, reported that um, Cam is asymptomatic, and if he tests negative twice... 24 hours apart, there's potential for him to play. Now, Ian Rappaport with NFL Network said it's still a long shot for Cam Newton to play. So, it looks like it's probably going to end up being, uh, what, the Jarrett Stidham, Brian Hoyer show again? Yeah,
1: uh, ugly. Almost as ugly as the the Denver Broncos quarterback situation, I suppose. Ooh, I'm probably
2: going to get in trouble for that, right? And... Vic Fangio said last week that Drew Locke was 50-50. I haven't seen any update. I would be shocked if Drew Locke plays against Bill Belichick and this New England defense in Foxborough. I, I just I think they'll wait until the next week against Miami at home.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense to to throw him to the Wolves. I, and here's, here's what I will say for Drew Locke. And we've talked a little bit about, you know, where this team is headed and should they be focused on trying to get the number one pick or should they be focused on trying to build a team around Drew Locke, all of those things. I will say this, you were you would be doing him a huge disservice if you were rushing him back, let's say, so that he could play against Bill Belichick's defense and have to deal with the what the Patriots are doing right now in the league. Because what what the New England Patriots are doing on defense is impressive and we talked about this before uh before we started recording what they did to the Kansas City Chiefs the way that they have essentially figured out Patrick Mahomes that that is something that the rest of the league just can't seem to do and we get to see Patrick Mahomes up close and personal because he it's an AFC West rival uh and and it is Ryan Pace (laughs) thanks Ryan Pace exactly (laughs) And so we understand the talent level. Like There's no denying that Patrick Mahomes is, is a supremely talented quarterback.
2: Doesn't mean we have to like it. We
1: don't have to like it. I hate it. I hate it very much. But I also can recognize that as great as he is, Bill Belichick seems to have it figured out a little bit. Whatever Whatever it is, the New England Patriots seem to have a blueprint for maybe not necessarily stopping – but slowing Patrick Mahomes to the point where you can compete with the Kansas city chiefs. I know that we don't have to worry about it right now, but eventually maybe at halftime, maybe after the game, Vic Fangio and Bill Belichick can get together and, and, and Bill Belichick can tell Vic Fangio what to do for when the Broncos play the chiefs. And and maybe that'll work. Maybe they can exchange notes. I don't know, but Maybe that's the biggest thing that comes out of this game against New England is that Vic Fangio talks to Bill Belichick about, well, how do we beat the Chiefs? What would you do? Because we're going to need that help.
2: And if you, you didn't see it, on one of the two Monday night games because it got delayed because of Cam Newton's COVID positivity test, the New England Patriots held Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense to 19 offensive points. The final score was 26-10 to 10 Kansas City. That is the second fewest the Chiefs have scored since Mahomes became the starting quarterback to begin the 2018 season. New England also held the Chiefs' offense without a first-half touchdown for just the third time in the Mahomes era. To piggyback off of what you just said, the other two instances came against the Patriots. I mean, the fact that they held that offense to 19 points, the other touchdown came from a, Uh, Tyron Matthew pick six. I asked this in my play, or I talked about it in my play Colorado preview. The game might have turned out differently if Cam Newton plays and you don't have Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. Maybe it wouldn't, but now you're taking a defense that just basically had kept in check Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs' high-powered offense. Now going against a quarterback making his second NFL start who just struggled against the New York Jets.
1: If, if you shuddered a little bit out there, Broncos country, you should have. If, if you didn't, you should have. If you did, welcome to the, the club here. Yeah, we, we watched Brett Ripon throw three interceptions against the Jets. The Jets, who are, in a word, bad, in two words, really bad, and in three words, just not good. So it, it doesn't make you, it doesn't fill me with confidence. I don't know if it fills you with confidence, but it doesn't fill me with confidence that uh, Brett Ripon is going to be starting against the New England Patriots. And I fully expect him to be the starter. If I'm wrong and it's true lock and they brush him back, that's fine. Uh, the outcome won't change. And, and I think that's really the other point of this is that the Denver Broncos are still not what we wanted them to be. And while I think many people in the NFL and people who cover the NFL and people who watch the NFL thought that this would be like a down year for the Patriots. They had a lot of guys opting out because of the coronavirus. Uh, Tom Brady is gone. There's a lot of big changes going on in the league. Yada, yada, yada. I, I think that Bill Belichick is out to prove us all wrong and show that he is the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Now that might not be true. He might not be the greatest, but in his mind this is his opportunity to prove that. And and he's on his way to doing that. And a big part of it is Cam Newton, but but really the biggest part is as you said, it's his defense and it's what they do on defense in New England. So yeah, they lost to the to the Chiefs. Not 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 because of their defense. They lost because they just didn't have the firepower with Stidham and Hoyer as their quarterbacks, which they could be the quarterbacks for Denver. would be the same thing, right? Stidham and Hoyer, it sounds like Rippin and Driscoll as it is. So some terrible quarterback play is what we might see unless Cam Newton comes back and plays. And if that's the case,
2: yikes. Especially since Von Miller isn't playing. And Von Miller is Cam Newton's daddy.
1: You think he's got to check in, though, with him and ask for permission? You think Bill Belichick has to get, like, a permission slip signed? Is it, you know, now that Cam Newton is asymptomatic and he's had his tests, can he please play in this game? And maybe maybe Vaughn won't sign the permission slip, and so then the Broncos won't have to play against Cam Newton. Those would be like, oh, okay, well, you can play next week, but but Daddy said you couldn't play this week. You think that, that might happen?
2: I I would love for it to potentially be the issue as to why Cam Newton doesn't play and not because of COVID. <laughs> would be, but would be better. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with Cam Newton. I I tend to agree with with Ian Rappaport that it's a long shot, but who knows at this point? It's 2020. now
1: anything can happen, and everything does. So yeah, definitely. Uh, a little bit of Broncos news. Um, Mike Purcell signed a, an extension with the Broncos, so uh, you know, good for him. He's the he's a player that has bounced around the league. Uh, has been cut several times and picked up several times and uh, he's a he's a local kid from Colorado so uh you know everybody always likes the local kid makes good story and so here's one for you and, and good for mike Purcell I think he's uh, I think his contract was pretty much on the nose for the market uh and what was needed and and you mentioned this before we started recording I didn't even think about it essentially what they did was they cut Todd davis so they could keep mike Purcell is that did I say that right? I want to make sure I got that right.
2: Yes, that's basically, in essence, what they did. And what's remarkable about it is that he has basically earned hes earned this. Because as Mike Kliss points out, Purcell was cut 10 times by six teams before being found by Elway. And he's now on a contract extension through 2023. I mean, that is incredible.
1: Yeah, good for him, right? If you feel good about that?
2: I, I you absolutely feel good about that, and that's that's what you like to see. And I think it, it brings up another thing that I wrote about on Sunday that we haven't really talked about. You mentioned it in the post game recap that I didn't include him in my winners. But there's an argument that the most valuable player for the Denver Broncos right now is the left tackle because he has been the most consistent player on the roster through the first four games of the season. It's almost that as if. That is incredible.
1: Yeah. Almost as if some guys need a little bit longer to adjust to the NFL. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to eat Crow yet. I'm not going to, um, Apologize. I think that everybody who was uh, not necessarily against Garrett Bowles, but just sort of fed up with all the penalties and all the issues that the Broncos were having at left tackle, I I think that at this point you can look at it and say, okay, maybe we jumped the gun a little bit. It's also pretty clear to me that um, one of the biggest issues that he had was simply not really being a football player. And and I, I have said this several times. This has always been my gripe about Garrett Bowles. Well, he's learning to become a football player. I'm going to give him that credit. He has uh, adjusted. He has learned. He has worked hard. Uh, I don't think that was ever anything that was in question. I think what was in question about Garrett Bowles was, can he eventually put it all together, eliminate the mistakes that were just absolute drive killers and uh, become a left tackle that can actually be the anchor of this offensive line. And I would, I would tell you that at least through the first four games of the season, Garrett Bowles has been the anchor of this offensive line. To the detriment, I think, in some ways, or to the disappointment in, in some ways, of, of the interior line that we had been so excited about with Dalton Reisner in year two and Graham Glasgow, the veteran, coming over and Lloyd Cushenberry taking over at center. It felt like that was going to be where the strength was, but it's not, and it hasn't been. And it's it's been rather frustrating for for people to watch because everyone is so excited about what what Dalton Reisner brings to the table, and I still think he's going to be one of those guys that is on that offensive line for a long time to come. But it's his second year, and a lot of times what you see in year two is guys struggle. You know, the league figures you out, and that's something that I think you see happening with Dalton Reisner. Lloyd Cushenberry, a rookie center. You got a lot going on as a as a rookie, so I can I can accept some of those struggles. And then with Graham Glasgow, I think that the other issue becomes you just don't know the guys you're working with, and that's a big part of the offensive line as well. When you are uh, on the offensive line, it's it's about movement. It's about knowing where you're where you're supposed to be. It's about it's a, it's almost a dance, right? It's very choreographed. The best guy on that line has been Garrett Bowles. He's been the anchor. And so good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that that seems to have worked out. And maybe he's going to end up getting a nice big contract. It might not be in Denver, but it's going to be somewhere. Because if he continues to play this season the way he has the first quarter of the season, he's he's going to prove that he, he belongs in the NFL. And again, I'm happy for him. I think that that's been great. That's been an excellent thing to see through the first four games of the season.
2: I think there's been talk about some of the struggles of Lloyd Cushenberry and I think that's going to happen with a rookie center. I think you have to ride those ups and downs of any rookie, and that's especially true at center, but you have to remember that he's still that same guy who was at LSU. He's going to get it figured out. It takes a while to get up to speed in the NFL, especially for rookies and especially for a rookie center who didn't have training camp or preseason. And I think that's where you're seeing it the biggest is with rookies in terms of the lack of preseason games. I hate preseason games. I hope they limit it to two going forward. But that's where you're seeing, I think, these issues with rookies and especially even teams getting up to speed with the NFL. You just can't go from zero to 100 with a snap of uh, the snap of your fingers. It just, it doesn't work that way. So I I think eventually, especially when drew lot gets back and I even, I I think we're even seeing it with Brett Rippin. Most of the sacks aren't on the quarterback it's not on the offensive line. It's on the quarterback. Jeff Driscoll held the ball way too long against the Pittsburgh Steelers and against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see if that continues on Sunday. And, I think one of the things with Brett Ripon that's important to point out is he did make horrible mistakes. He had three picks, one pick six, one should be interception, but because Jerry Judy mossed Pierre Desir, it wasn't. So it could have been four interceptions against a bad Jets team. He was able to make in-game adjustments and learn from his mistakes, as we saw with some of the throws in the fourth quarter. Especially that one late in the fourth quarter to Tim Patrick, so he has the awareness, but now he's going up against Bill Darth yeah,
1: Darth Hoodie, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's it's a tough it's a tough ask, right? It, it really is. I mean, as as we look at this game, and I, and I do think we should probably let's go ahead and look at this game. It, it, this is a tough ask for the Broncos. The, this this game uh, against a, a Bill Belichick led team. With the number of injuries that have occurred, the you know the talent level is obviously down. There are there are some bright spots and we've talked about them, but not only are you uh, missing a lot of players, it looks like you're missing Noah Fant. I think that that's probably uh, where we're going to be with that as well.
2: Uh, probably KJ Hamler probably, too.
1: Probably KJ Hamler with that hamstring that keeps popping up. I guess uh, that's and soft tissue. Soft tissue is always going to be an issue. Uh, Oh, I didn't mean to do – I rhymed that. Sorry, y'all. But it is always going to be an issue, that soft tissue, and you have to be careful. So, uh, you know, it's – when you look at this game, I think you have to go into it with a certain understanding of what are you trying to get out of this game. Obviously, you want to win, right? If you're the Denver Broncos, you want to win. We know that. But what can you take away from this game beyond that? Because that is something that you're going to have to focus on because I, I, I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to walk out of there with a win. And, and we'll get to the predictions later. But I, I think you can kind of tell where these predictions are going to go. So what do you walk out with in a game like this? On the road uh, against a, a pretty good team who's also probably going to be playing with their backup quarterback or quarterbacks, however they choose to do it. What, do you, what can you really expect and what do you want to walk away with? And, that, and that's really the big question at this point. Quite frankly, I don't even know. Like I, I guess a good showing, the fight that we've talked about. We want want to see them continue to battle, no matter what's going on on the field. Uh, maybe some good plays, maybe a, a few highlight reel type plays from some of your rookies and some of your some of your veterans who are stepping into some big roles. Beyond that, I'm not sure what else you can expect here.
2: Make it be competitive, even if it's even if you end up losing. Make it competitive. And I, you're right about the fight. Do the little things right. It's, it's time for this team to start doing the little things right. If you do the little things right, that's when you can start doing the big things. The big things will take care of themselves. But it's all about the little things. No missed assignments. No missed reads on defense. Do your job. Coincidentally, do your job against the guy who has preached it for 20 years and better than some would argue in the history of the National Football League, do your job. Start to put the pieces together to do your job, to learn how to win games. So make it competitive. And let's get into the keys to the game. Mine is to win the turnover battle because it, it, it is tied into that. Brett Ripon cannot throw three interceptions against this defense. It cannot happen. Even against Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham. You're not going to win another game in the NFL if you throw three interceptions, including one pick six. So win the turnover battle.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. The, you know, to me, the other key to the game here, and I think you're absolutely right, but what helps with that, or what will perhaps Uh, eliminate some of those turnovers is being able to run the football and and controlling the clock. And so Melvin Gordon uh, is going to be a big part of that. What what the Broncos do in the run game is going to be huge because if you're going to win this game, if the Denver Broncos are going to go into Foxborough and they're going to defeat the new England Patriots, they're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to control the pace of the game. And they're going to have to ensure that even, even though the Patriots are probably going to be in a position where they're missing, their quarterback, they're still going to be able to score points. They're still going to have, uh, you have to, you have to control the game. You can't let them take over on offense. And really you have to kind of impose your will on that defense. That's really what the idea is behind controlling the football and controlling the clock is imposing your will on that defense and, and converting on third down and picking up more than two or three yards on first down and putting yourself in a position to you know, be in third and short, uh, winning the, the the you know the field position battle. That all comes from controlling the football, controlling the clock, being able to run the ball uh, meticulously, and, and doing it even when you feel like you're not successful at doing it. Continuing to do it until it works. I really think that's the only way you can slow and limit
2: the the New England Patriots and prevent them from just running away with this game. And it's interesting that you mentioned controlling the game because that's what Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots do on offense. They are the second-best rushing offense in the National Football League. They average 179.8 yards per game on the ground. The Broncos are horrible stopping the run. They're 29th in the league. It's not good. They're 13th. I read that wrong. Oh, Check that. Whew, it
1: got better. That's that's excellent. I feel so much better
2: now. They're, they're, they're 13th in the NFL. This is going to be a challenge for them. I think this is going to be a very big challenge for this Denver defense. So it's not necessarily about getting pressure on Stidham or Hoyer. It's stopping the run, especially if Cam Newton's not playing. If Cam Newton is not playing, they have to stop the run. Because if they allow Josh McDaniels and, and the New England Patriots to run the football and get 179 yards in this game or 180, they're going to lose. So they need to stop the run. And that's it, regardless if Cam Newton plays or he doesn't because Cam Newton likes to run the football. Yeah, so he's a big
1: part of the I'll, run game. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll carry your key... And add on to it by saying they need to do it on defense too.
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of an all around thing that has to be done. And and I know that sometimes when you listen to this, it's like, well, well no duh, right? I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of these keys to the game that we we do every week, it, it, they're kind of these no duh moments where it's obvious. But just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's going to happen, and doesn't mean that they can do it. Uh, and and that to me is going to be the big question: is can they do those things? Can they, uh, you know? follow through and control the football and win the turnover battle and, and, and really put themselves into a position where they can win. I, I'm not sure that they can, uh, but I hope that they can. So players to watch, let's, let's get into players to watch here because I'm sure that there's going to be a few uh, let's, you want to start on offense or defense?
2: Let's start on offense. I'm okay. going to go at Rippon. I, if I say win the turnover battle, it starts and stops with the quarterback, especially the one who just threw three picks. Yeah,
1: I think that's pretty much a given. I'm actually going to go with Melvin Gordon, uh, and I'm going to throw a little extra sauce on there and say end the offensive line. Uh, the run game, uh, you need Melvin Gordon to get going, and so what you really need to see is this offensive line really start to click. And and so that would be my players to watch because it is it is going to be imperative that both Melvin Gordon and the offensive line – are able to do their job. Oh, saying it, saying it during this podcast when they're getting ready to play the Patriots is—it just gives me a little bit of the willies. But it ain't wrong. Do your job. So on offense, to me, I think it's mostly Melvin Gordon, but pay attention to that offensive line. I think that that's going to be uh, really where the game is—is is won or lost—is uh, right up front there. Which again, I know cliche, but it's—it's it's just the truth.
2: Defense. I'm going to go with the interior defensive line. That—that's how you stop a running game. If you want to be able to keep the New England Patriots from rushing the football, you've got to be able to get a push interior-wise, and hopefully Mike Purcell is able to do that. I, I, I think getting an extension like this with his hometown team will serve as motivation. But it, it's not just going to be him; they need Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, those guys in the interior need to create havoc because. If the Patriots, not to not to play a broken record here, if they're able to rush the football, it is going to be a long day.
1: Yeah, without question. I'm actually going to go a slightly different direction with my uh, player to watch on defense. And I'm going to say it's Justin Simmons. And not necessarily because Justin Simmons is uh, – how do I want to put this? Not because he's going to have a huge impact on stopping the run, although he would – uh, more so because I think what we've seen from Justin Simmons this season has been less than what we expected it to be. Justin Simmons was a guy who, during the off season, people were clamoring for him to get a contract extension, to be given that big money contract. And I'm I'm one of those people who was on that bandwagon, paid that man his money. Yeah, we're here we are, right? And and so after four games in 2020. Justin Simmons doesn't look like a guy they needed to pay. And and, and that's really sort of a shock to me. And, and I am, I'm capable of being wrong and I'm capable of admitting when I'm wrong, but this one surprises me that Justin Simmons has not been the, the force that we all thought he was going to be. I mean, he played the last two seasons phenomenally well, phenomenally well. And so much so that we all believed he was going to get a big contract. It was the, uh, you know, it was the Steve Atwater era. Here we go. Right. We've got our safety for the next 10 years and we're all very excited about it. And it's going to be great. And what we have right now is a guy who's in a down year. Does that mean he can't bounce back? No, but I do feel like after four games that this, this fifth game here is a game where he needs to turn things around. And so I'm not even talking about the game in general, right? I'm not even talking about impacting the game and getting a win. But after four weeks, to look as pedestrian as he has, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or, or slight the man. That's not what this is. It's simply I, I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. I like Justin Simmons. I, I, I want to see that. I want to see it in Foxborough. I want to see his season turn around. That's what I'm going to be watching for, and, and I hope that it does. I really do. So you know, I'm not predicting that, but 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 that's what I'm watching for and hoping for. Speaking of predictions, see what I did there.
2: Nice segue.
1: Thank you. I was a, It was forced. It was definitely a forced segue. But why don't we get into our predictions? Uh, do you have a? Do you want to do a bold prediction? Should we do some bold predictions, or does it feel like this game doesn't warrant any bold predictions?
2: I don't think this game warrants any bold predictions, especially since they moved it from eleven o'clock to 225 mountain time, which I still don't understand why.
1: Um, Because fewer people watch in the afternoon, I guess, is that, I mean, good for, good for Broncos country. I think that everybody knows that when Denver travels East and plays in the morning game, it's never good. It's uh, it's always a, a little rough. So just trying to even the odds a little, they're like, okay, it's, it's going to be a difficult game for Denver. Why don't we move it to a, an easier time? That that might be what they were going for. I, I really don't know.
2: Speaking of odds, just to go off on a little tangent here, when you look at the sports books that are up in Colorado right now, as of right now at nine fifty-five on a Tuesday Tuesday night, only one of the sports has sports books has odds up for this game, and it's Fanduel. Really, DraftKings, BetMGM, some of the other ones don't have their lines up for this game. It's weird. And I was thinking to myself this isn't a game that's at risk of being delayed. So unless they knew, they know something that we don't and usually bookies do because they have lines directly to the NFL and teams across the league. So unless they know something we don't know, I just thought it was very weird that only one book, had lines up for this game. That is a that is a little odd. I, I I would assume
1: this is just me spitballing here, but I would assume that it probably has to do with uh, waiting to see what's going on with Cam Newton and waiting to see if anything else happens that might postpone this game. Because, because it is still a possibility. We could still see uh, a positive test from somebody else pop up. We, we don't know what's going to happen, right? The coronavirus is one of those things where uh, she's a wily mistress, and, and uh, we may end up uh, with more positive tests in New England that could force this game to be postponed, uh, and you have to take it seriously. And, and, and I think that if there's nothing else that we know about it, we know you have to take it seriously. We know you have to, to be diligent in the way that you approach it because if you're not, it, it can it can jump up and bite you. And so uh, I, I think that that's maybe just sports books that are being prudent, cautious, uh, and and waiting until there's a little bit more information on what's going to happen with that. So, all right, no bold predictions, but how about a score prediction?
2: Twenty-four ten, New England. Ooh,
1: we are very close on that. I really like the number thirty-seven. I don't know if any of you remember. That number 37 felt really good to me. Um, it worked out pretty well against the Jets game. I got to do a nice little victory lap uh, after the game, not just here, but also uh, with, with Ryan and Ben on Broncos Country tonight. They gave me a little opportunity to to just mention it again and just remind everyone that I nailed it. Uh, and so I'm going to stick with that number 37, but I'm going to go uh, with a little bit of addition to get there. I, I think that um, I think you end up with a score of 27-10. 27-10. New England, unfortunately. Uh, But that gets us to that 37, which seems to be a magic number for me. That being said, uh, why don't we take a a quick break here? Those are our our score predictions. When we come back, we'll take a look at the AFC West and what's happening uh, with that and then the rest of the league, and then we will wrap things up and, and say go Broncos.
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right, Ian. So uh, kind of an interesting week in the NFL. I think if we start with just the AFC West, uh, I'm going to hold off on on the big one, but I am going to mention uh, you got to wait till Monday night to see the Chargers take on the Saints in New Orleans. Uh, I, I think we probably are both in the same boat here where we think that the Saints are, are going to win that game uh, and the Chargers will drop to one and four. But Justin Herbert has been uh, kind of an interesting story there. Uh, something that, something to kind of pay attention to as, as the season progresses.
2: What's interesting is just looking at not to make this a sports betting podcast, but just looking at the odds uh, new Orleans on the spread is minus eight. I don't think the Saints will cover that, so I do think the Chargers will cover. But yeah, I I don't think that the Chargers are going to go into New Orleans, even in an empty Superdome, and come out victorious. I just I don't see that happening.
1: it's a yeah, that's a tough ask. That's a that's a big that's a big game. It's a big spot. I'm not sure they have the the ability to go in and do that. The other AFC West matchup is is a big one, and I'm going to ask you a question about it. It's Raiders at the Chiefs. Do you root for the Raiders? The Raiders are two and two. The Chiefs are four and zero. Oh. Do you root for the Raiders to beat the Chiefs?
2: No, because That's, it's not possible.
1: <laughs> That's a tricky question right now. I think I think if you were to do a poll of Broncos country, and you were to simply ask uh, in this scenario which team are you rooting for, I don't think it's as cut and dry as as you do. And what I mean by that is I think there's enough people in Broncos country who are, um, you know going to be hit by the recency bias uh, and the fact that Kansas City has, is, is so good right now that they don't lose a lot of games. and so rooting for the Raiders might be uh, something that you would do. I, I think that I think you would have probably a 50/50 split on that. In fact, that might be, that might be a fun little poll to, to put up. Uh, On uh, MHR and just see you know on Mile High Report what the community thinks on that. So uh, that that's a certainly a possible possible poll you might see on on Mile High Report just because it is a curious question. Who are you rooting for, Broncos country? Aside from a a potential sinkhole that just swallows Arrowhead Stadium, uh, what what would you hope the outcome would be? I, I honestly. My first instinct is is very much like yours. No, I cannot root for the Raiders ever, and I will not root for the Raiders ever. But then there's a part of me that goes, well, but maybe. So I'm, I wonder how many other people out there would feel the same way.
2: It's not just my hatred of the Raiders. It's the fact that there is literally no chance the Raiders are beating the Chiefs. So I'm not going to waste that energy rooting for a team I hate who legitimately has no shot at beating the Chiefs? That's to me, that's just foolhardy.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's. I think that's also a fair assessment. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm not sure very many people are going to be wasting energy on it. I just think it's, it's one where you're going to have a lot of people who are are struggling to make a decision on that. Uh, all right. So, any other games that stand out to you this week that that you're going to be looking forward to uh, that you're hopefully going to be able to watch?
2: I think the only game that's going to be somewhat close is, I'm uh, looking at it, it's going to be the Colts and the Browns. That's legitimately going to be the best game of the week. And that's assuming that the Bills and Titans, I, I don't know if the Titans are good enough to slow down Josh Allen and the Bills, and I never thought I would say that, because those who have listened to this podcast for any amount of time know that I have never thought highly of Josh Allen. I'm still not there yet. Maybe that's because of my cognitive dissonance that it's just like, nope, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to fight this till the end. Call it
1: stubbornness. Yeah.
2: I I think that the Colts and the Browns could legitimately has the shot to be the best game of the week.
1: Yeah. I I don't disagree with you on that. The Colts at three and one, the Browns at three and one, something's got to give. You you know does Philip Rivers have things figured out in Indianapolis? Is that team going to be good for him? And does Baker Mayfield have things figured out in Cleveland? Is that a a, a team that's got things turned around after what they did to the Cowboys last week, and, and the way that that all turned out? I, I mean, I know that it was tough on Jeff Essery here, who is a, a closeted uh, Dallas Cowboys fan and loves Baker Mayfield because of his Oklahoma ties. Uh, I know that was a a rough game for him. But if you look at that game and you look at what it meant, it really sort of meant that Baker Mayfield might have things figured out, maybe. I mean, they got a ton of weapons there. It's not like Cleveland is – the cupboard is bare. You're not looking at a team that's ravaged by injuries like the Denver Broncos. So, you know, there's some potential there in Cleveland. And then, again, Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts, really? Three and one? Nobody saw that coming. So – that one might be a fun one. Uh, another fun one to me that kind of sticks out is Cincinnati at Baltimore, mostly because I just want to see what Joe Burrow does. Joe Burrow is, is one of those quarterbacks that looks like he's got it. And so I, I'm curious, how does he perform against a team that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender? It's going to be an interesting game to watch just to see if he can really compete with a team that is as good as Baltimore is a team that in Baltimore got pretty much smoked by Kansas city. And so how close is Joe Burrow to really being able to compete with the elite teams in the NFL? I mean, he was ranked super high on everybody's list as best quarterbacks coming into the season, higher than guys like drew lock, who I guess if we're going to include injury, not wrong, at least Joe Burrow's not injured. So is he, is he ready? Is he How close is he to being ready? I think that's kind of an interesting game to watch.
2: One game that I think has the potential to maybe be the, the surprise game of the week, just based on the line, the Eagles and the Steelers. The Steelers have opened up as a touchdown favorite. We'll see what Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, and the Eagles are going to be able to do after that road victory against the San Francisco 49ers. And I get it. San Francisco 49ers have been just as ravaged by injuries as the Broncos have. They are they were playing, what, uh, Bethard and Nick <laughs> Mullins. So, not Jimmy Garoppolo. And th- a lot of their, their key guys on defense are out, too.
1: Well, like Bosa's out. Um, who,
2: who Richard Sherman. Sherman's out. Yeah, I mean is an armstead out too. I, I
1: believe so. I, it's it's not pretty over there. It's it's a bit of a mash unit much like it is in Denver.
2: But I still I, I still thought that the the 49ers would be able to to at least beat the Eagles. So, give the Eagles credit for going on the road. I mean, it's still across the country to get to Santa Ma or Santa Clara, or wherever that stadium is.
1: I now mean they're Santa playing, Clara.
2: Now they're playing their Keystone State rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and I, I think that I think I think Philly has the potential to make that closer than the books think. Now I'm not saying that Carson Wentz and the Eagles are gonna come out victorious. I'm not gonna go that route, but I think it'll be a closer game than the seven point spread that is at least up at bed and GM right now.
1: Okay. I like that. I'm going to give you another game here that I, that I am curious about or I am interested in Panthers at Falcons. And I'm, I'm going to be mean here. I think the question with the Falcons is not just uh, whether they can win or lose, but how big of a lead will they give up when they lose? Because they're sitting at 0 and 4 right now. They're playing a Panthers team that is without Christian McCaffrey, that doesn't really have a very good team to begin with, but happens to be two and two good for Carolina. How big of a lead will the Falcons give up in the fourth quarter to lose this game? I think that's the question. I think that's your prop bet. If you're going to do some sports betting, that's the bet. How big of a lead will it be that they have when they lose uh, <laughs> to the Carolina Panthers? At home. They're at home. And I still think they're going to lose in a weird comeback win sort of way for the Panthers. Probably being up by 10 or, or, or 13 uh, in the fourth quarter. That's, that's, that's my guess
2: and it's just it's sad what's happening to the I don't know if it's sad because it's sad. <laughs> they're the reason that the New England Patriots have a Super Bowl when they were up 28 to 3 so it's just yeah and what what what's going on in Carolina is pretty incredible that they don't have Christian McCaffrey yet they're they just beat the Cardinals where a lot of people thought that they were
1: Sort of that up-and-comers, least. at least, yeah.
2: First two games of the season, they were the up-and-comers, uh, but they then people realized Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So I th- that that will be an interesting game. I, I I I agree with you on that. Maybe because as always, you get two bad teams together, you get a good game, and we saw that on Thursday night. You've been listening to
0: Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com.
1: And as always, go Broncos.